and welcome to another episode of Chat with Nana. Today I've got the lovely Marcia with us um, and I would leave it with for her to tell us a bit about herself and talk us a bit through her Christian journey as well. Okay. Um, hello everyone, my name's Marcia. Um, I'm married. I uh, have got three grown-up children. Uh, I've lived in Krukern for about 35 years, and um, I'm one of the elders here at Krukern Community Church. Um, my Christian journey started when I was um, at Oxford Polytechnic, um, so I was about 21, and um, I met a girl there, and um, she was quite different from kind of how I imagined Christians would be. Um, she was sort of quite lively she was the center of attention she had a great um sense of humor and I, I sort of got to befriend her and um she used to sort of talk about god and about jesus in a way that i'd never heard anybody talk about she seemed to have a relationship uh with them she used to say how you know um god answered her prayers how jesus helped her to make decisions and so on and how she used to read the bible and um and back then i used to think I didn't think normal people read the Bible. I thought I thought it was just vicars that read the Bible. <laughs> and so it was quite sort of um, quite a different um, idea, concept to me. And um, she invited me to go to church with her to what I now realise was a sort of a gospel outreach meeting. And um, so I invited Jesus into my life at the end of that meeting. And um, I've never looked back, really. Um, I started going to some sort of beginner classes where we used to kind of, you know, have an introduction to the Bible and um, we used to discuss things and so on. And so that was the beginning of my spiritual journey. And I'm very grateful to her for that, for introducing me to Jesus. Um, and since then, I've sort of done all kinds of things in the church, really. And now, as I say, um, I'm a church elder. So, um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Uh, yeah. try, try, tried a few different things along the way. <laughs> and I think it's very interesting because everybody that you like speak to, even though we're brought up in the church or had a perception about Christians um, where they've literally thought Christians are a certain kind of way. Um, and it's really interesting to kind of hear all these stories because it kind of shows that if we are just who we are and just know that God loves us, people are going to look up onto us and emulate and want to follow Christ as well. So it's really, mm, mm. because I think your story is quite similar to what Tanya had as well. And I just find that really interesting. Yeah. 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 And obviously through your walks, uh, through your work as a Christian, how would you say, obviously you've talked about your Christian journey. How would you say God's love has been, throughout your whole journey how have you felt this love um yeah throughout your christian journey um when i first became a christian i used to um it was like falling in love for me i used to walk along the street and just feel as though i was sort of floating along because i just felt <laughs> i just felt so sort of in love i've just felt as i'd fallen in love and i it just kind of opened my eyes and i just saw things in such a different way from how i had before you know i hadn't had a christian upbringing or anything yeah. and um it, it was just 
so different. And um, so that was the beginning of my journey. Um, obviously, you know, there have been good times and bad times following on from that. And I've always found God to be really faithful. Um, I've always found him, you know, to show his love for me. And I think one of the most precious things really is very often when he just shows it in a really small way. Um, So he might just kind of answer a prayer or answer the cry of your heart that nobody else knows about. It might just be a really small thing that you've sort of (laughs) said to him about. And then he drops something into your life and you think, wow, you really know me. You know me in a really personal way and you knew that I wanted that you knew that I needed that and um and so that's been really precious I think to me and I think um I've always just tried to sort of stay open to what I feel that God is um speaking to me or you know leading how he's leading me within any situation and I think um you know, he's there in everything. He's there in all situations, even if we don't feel him. We just have to trust and, you know, and know that he's there. And um, I've just found him to be faithful in all circumstances, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And um, obviously, as you mentioned, there has been good times and there has been great times, just like in any relationship, Um what what would you say keeps you going? What are what are the scriptures, songs, or anything that keeps you going that would encourage someone who's watching today? Um, it's hard to say, really, because I think you know God sort of gives you certain scriptures at, at different times, doesn't He? And um, sometimes He'll speak a word over your life, and you just hold on to that and. Um, and wait for that to be fulfilled. Um, One of the verses that I do love is um, Philippians 4.4, where it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And um, I just think that, you know, we have to, in a way, make ourselves rejoice in all things, um, just because we know that that we're saved, that we have a future in heaven with God. Um, We have a God who loves us, who will be with us through all things. And, um, and like I say, it's just keeping that open mindset. And actually, when, um, when I was first a Christian, um, a friend of mine uh, that I was living with also became a Christian. And we decided we were going to uh, buy her a Bible and that we, uh, a group of us would, would all write sort of scriptures in that was our favorite scriptures. And being a new Christian, I didn't really know very many scriptures, but I did know that one. And <laughs> yeah. um, so I put that one in the Bible. And um, I remember that sort of the other Christians who were a bit further along the way, they were putting in all these really spiritual sounding things from <laughs> Isaiah and this, that and the other, you know. And I was thinking, mine's just one sentence. <laughs> and, um, and one of my friends said to me, oh, she said, I, I said, oh, I think it's a bit pathetic, really. All I've written is one sentence. And she said, no, it's a great scripture. It's a really yeah. good scripture. And, and as I look back now, I think, yes, it was, because it yeah. just does encourage us to, to keep rejoicing because, you know, there is a reason to rejoice because God is good. I believe God is good. Um, that's not to say that everything that happens to us is good, yeah. but he can he can transform it and make it, you know, under God's hand, I believe that that we will see in the end 
that he's yeah. brought good out of all things yeah yeah definitely and typically i would at this point um talk about probably covid or anything but i don't know why my spirit is leading me to ask you obviously um you, you accepted Christ, somebody introduced him to you. Somebody might be watching this today and doesn't know, hasn't taken God as or Jesus as his personal savior or their personal savior. I just, before we finish off, I just want you to lead whoever is watching this who might want to take Christ as their Lord and personal savior today to say a simple prayer, obviously after you just accepting them. I don't know why I just feel strongly about that. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. okay. Um, yeah. I think when I accepted Jesus, I think um, what really spoke to me was um, that um, the thing that was wrong was just that I'd led my life without Jesus in it, really. Um, you know, it wasn't that I'd led a particularly bad life. I mean, I was a sinner, just like everyone else is a sinner. But, you know, it was just that fact that I'd kind of lived life without him. him yeah. And um, uh, so, you know, just, just to say to people, you know, don't live your life without Jesus, really, <laughs> because, you know, it's so much better with him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, okay then um i will pray <laughs> so ju just for those of you out there who who you know would like to ask jesus into your life if you feel that there's something missing you know because i i questioned and i i thought um you know if god is real then surely knowing him has got to be the most important thing ever in the world, yeah. um, you know, to know who he is and to know, um, you know, what he wants from us and what our relationship with him is. So if you're in that place where you're seeking, just open your heart and, and ask God to show you and show you that he's real. So, so Father God, we just, we just ask that you will uh, reveal yourself to people Lord, that you would just show us who you are, that you would show us your love. And, uh, and if you just confess to the Lord that you have sinned, that you have sinned in ways that you know about, that you've sinned in ways that you don't know about, um, but just come to Jesus and ask forgiveness because he died on the cross so that you could be forgiven. And there's a whole mystery around that, that you will start a journey you will start a journey and you will discover that what that means for yourself. So just ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask him to reveal himself, to show himself and to walk with you and just be open and listen to what he wants to say to you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone, uh, welcome back. Hopefully you can hear us now. Um, we have had one or two little technical issues. I know you've been able to hear the videos, but you haven't been able to hear anything that we've said. So hopefully you are listening now. I know the guys here are obviously listening, but uh, hopefully you can hear us now. Um, you've missed out. We had an absolute stunning service up to now. You've really missed out on everything that's gone on. 
what more can I say? Yeah, really, the miracles really, that were happening. The miracles left, that were happening right everywhere. It's, it's Holy incredible. Spirit was just just moving. We had so an well. incredible confession from Marcia about all the bad things she'd done in her life. <laughs> But hey, you've missed it all, I'm sad to say. Anyway, Shan, let's continue on. Yeah, well, thinking of the chat with Nana and just going back to some of the thoughts there, this morning I woke up and I was reading Matthew um, 11, verses 28 to 29 in the Message Version. And at the very end, Samastia talks about this wonderful relationship with God. And if you don't know or have not experienced this, not this religiousness, not this duty, but a personal relationship with God that makes you fall in love, makes you feel free, that gives a freedom. And at the end of it, and there was a little verse that really spoke to me today, and I couldn't quite work out why, but I think it fits in perfectly with Marcy. It says this, keep company with me. Jesus is saying, keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. And I just love that. At the end of that, going, your walk with God, your, work, your Christian um, walk and passion shouldn't be one of duty and pain and suffering. There is aspects of that for sure in our lives. But our relationship with Jesus and God is one of free, freedom and grace. And it's just something that we need to live and walk in. And if you don't know that and you haven't experienced that, follow Marcia's prayer. Pray it. Let us know. Get in contact with us or any other Christian that you may know in your local community. Okay. Um, I think I'm... What am I doing now? We've all yeah, over the place. We're going to introduce the Baba. Abba. Actually, so when I spoke to Baba yesterday, he said, uh, Baba said, have you got any songs? Knowing the interview with... Um, with Marcia and Nana, I thought, do you know what? I've asked Baba especially to sing the song, Jesus at the Center of it all. Thank you, Baba. Thank you. Yep, and that means that it hasn't been practiced for a while. <laughs> so if there are any technical hitches, it's okay. Jesus is at the center. Let's just keep going. <laughs>
Jesus, you are the centre. Um, as a teacher in school, I teach religion and philosophy, and one of my most privileged lessons that I absolutely love, because I teach science as well, is the origins of the universe. And we sit down and we discuss and we look at different things. And I look at the Jewish, and I'm very strong at saying it is the Jewish account of the world, and which Christians have adopted and taken on. But then we look at the Jewish account of how the world, God made the world in six days and on the seventh day rested. We then compare it, believe it or not, to the Hindu story of creation of the world. We then look at the science. And in the science we talk about this week, it's been about how the universe, God, you know, we don't mention God in this little bit, but we say the universe is there. But in my mind, I'm thinking God is there, part of it. And in our universe, our galaxy is not the center. We tend to think of us as human beings, we are the center of everything. But our galaxy is not the center. Our solar system is not the center of our galaxy. And the planet Earth is not the center of our solar system. And I think sometimes God deliberately done that to prove to us humans, we might think we're incredibly important, that we are the center of everything, but actually he is the center of everything. We're off center. We are not the center of everything. And that just really reminded me of what I've been teaching this week and just sort of looking at that and going, yeah, God, you know, even though I may not be able to mention you in a very direct way in my lessons, I'm sitting there going, you're teaching me through all these things, including science. With that in mind, I am going to introduce to the lovely Jim, who's going to read to us today, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 30, 38. Long, right reading. Thank you, Sean. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have, been, you have found favor with God, and you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be barren, is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Amen. Thank you. Okay, everyone, welcome back. And uh, we're going to be looking at the next section of Luke. As I said, a couple of weeks ago, Luke wants to give you a really good account and try and inspire all the Gentile readers and all the people who are listening. 
uh, obviously not everyone would have had a copy at the time, but those who would have been listening to the story. Last week we looked at uh, how he actually started with um, Elizabeth and Zachariah, how he didn't actually start with the, the birth of Jesus. And the whole point of last week was to say God has a plan. Well, it goes now from the sublime to the ridiculous, because last week it was about a miracle about God giving an old couple a baby, and that baby was John, and John was to be favored uh, in the sight of God. This week, it goes from the sublime to the ridiculous. We go to a young girl in a remote village, and um, we're about to see the, the Annunciation of, as they, they, its official title, the Annunciation of how Jesus came in, into the world. And we all of a sudden, it goes from one thing to another. But there's a common thing within this, and one of the common things is actually the angel Gabriel. And I did actually think to myself, okay, do we do a little bit on angels? Because at the time, for Jewish people, they just didn't have a problem with angels. All you needed to know was there was a good angel and there was a bad angel. So when an angel turned up, you had a 50-50 chance of it being a good one. Obviously, last week, the angel Gabriel turned up in the temple, and so you would assume that there was a good angel. And this week, the, the angel Gabriel is about to turn up again. Now, bear in mind... Okay, bear in mind, the angel Gabriel had appeared 500 years previous. That's the only other account of the angel Gabriel turning up. And Gabriel actually explained to Daniel about some dreams that he had. So all of a sudden, we have now have the situation where Gabriel turns up in Nazareth. So let's dig just a little bit uh, deeper. So we're going to see today that last week was God's plan was revealed. This week, it's about being chosen. Now, I'm not sure if any of you have ever been chosen for anything. And I was trying to think of a, a really good explanation of being chosen. And all I remember is this. For five years, from the age of 11 to the age of 16, every Tuesday and every Thursday, we went through the same ritual at school of being chosen. Now, just to explain it a little bit, for those of you who might work it out, it's to do with PE, um, physical education or games, as we call it, or sports, whatever they like to call it these days. And I just remember there was... Uh, in my class, there was maybe 30 of us, and it was a huge, huge school. The school I went to had about 2,500 pupils. But every Tuesday and every Thursday, you were broken into year groups, and you were broken into, you went to do games. And what happened is, every single one of us would line along the wall. You'd be there in your PE kit, and you'd be lining along the wall, and the, the PE teacher would go along, and he would go, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, all along the line. And if you were a one, step forward. If you were a two, stay against the wall. And that's how they decided. But every now and again, they threw a curveball. And what they would do is the PE teacher would choose someone from the group. And the group, that person would stand out and then would say, you choose how to take everyone. And that person would stand there and go, I'll choose that one. And I'll choose that one. I'll choose that one. And it's usually the friends, isn't it? And before you know it, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if you were a sporty person in school. I'd done sports, but I wasn't particularly sporty. I was usually left in the last half a dozen. And it was like... Oh, I suppose I better have him then. Or I suppose I better have him then. And it got to that. But one occasion, guess whose turn it was to choose who would be on the teams. It was mine. And I stood there and I thought, this is my moment. This is where I can, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. I can choose everything. I can do everything. I can make all, all, the, all the dweebs, all the nerds, all the rest of it. I, we can all be together. And I froze. So what did I do? I went, one, two, one, two. One, two, one, two. My moment of being chosen suddenly went out the window. Anyway, back to our story. So let's just dig a little bit deeper. So Gabriel turns up in Nazareth. Now, 
Uh, for those of you in the church, I mentioned uh, pr probably this time last year, actually Nazareth was a really, really small little place. It's, it's up north, as they say to the southerners down here. Nazareth was up north and um, it was about 400 people. So everyone knew each other. And the angel Gabriel turns up to a 13, 14 year old girl, not only turning up to a 13, 14 year old girl, turns up to a 13, 14 year old girl who was betrothed, or we would say engaged to her fiance. Now you think, okay, that, what kind of an issue is that? Well, for us today, being engaged is one thing, but back then it was actually contractual. It was a contract that had already been done. For example, uh, Mary's parents had already been described or already been set in, in stone, so to speak, how much the father would receive from Joseph's family. The only way to get out of this contract and, and really was to die or to become pregnant. And actually, either way, it was the end of the covenant. So here we go, Mary, the covenant, she was um, betrothed to Joseph, which means it had been announced to everyone. So all the 400 people in the village or the 398 that were left all knew exactly what was about to happen. And then all of a sudden, Gabriel appears to a 13, 14 year old girl and says, Mary, you are favored by God. Of course, as we said last week, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, he was shocked. He was in fear. And Mary was to a degree as well. But all of a sudden, Gabriel was going to announce something that was going to change her world. Now, I want to stop there for a moment. Because sometimes when God involves himself in human history, when God involves himself in human life, which is what he loves to do, some of the things that he gets us to do may actually cause our plans and our movements to come to an absolute standstill. So God, um, through Gabriel, um, sent the message to Mary, and all of a sudden, Mary, you're favored. And Mary thinking, okay, well, what does that mean? Now, for you and for me, if we're favored, you think, do you know what? Everything's going to be okay. But if you look at Mary's story then throughout the Bible, she was ridiculed, she was in shame, she lost her son, she cried a lot, she laughed a lot, she's seen incredible things, but she certainly wasn't protected from life in any way. So it's worth always remembering for each and every one of us that when God moves in our lives, it doesn't mean we are protected from hurt, it doesn't mean we are protected from illness, it doesn't mean we are protected from shame. God is involving his plan. And all of a sudden, Gabriel says, you are chosen. God chose a young girl. She wasn't educated. Young girls weren't at that point. And she was from a backwater. She wasn't from down south where all the posh people lived. She was from up north. She was from a small village. And you think, why has God done that? Why has God chosen this person? And that's a really good question for us. Why would God choose you? What is there about you that God would say, I'll have that one? Well, let me tell you, the answer is quite simple. There's nothing about you other than that God loves you. When God chooses us, when God shows favor to us, it is exactly because he wants to use us. He wants to do something. We have his favor. Now, let me just say the, I was having a chat with someone during the week and it's quite obvious the virgin birth causes issues to people. All right, the virgin birth causes issues to people. I just want to run through uh, one or two things because a lot of people will actually say that the Bible, or, or Luke in this case, has gathered from other ancient traditions to make this story up. Let me see if you can work this one out a little bit. You see, 
there's nothing in pagan tradition or there's nothing in Jewish tradition that actually talks about the birth of Jesus or the birth of Messiah in this way. And you think, well, hold on a minute. Isaiah chapter 7, which says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. And you think, okay, well, it mentions that. How does this fit in with the story? Well, let me tell you this. Up to that point, all the people in Israel, they didn't interpret it as a miraculous birth. They interpreted it simply as a young virgin would have a baby in a normal way. They never imagined that Messiah would be born without sexual contact. So it was quite, it really was quite something. And the second thing is this. People would say, all right, there's a mistake. Joseph actually did sleep with Mary. There was a mistake, and now there's a great cover-up. We have lots of cover-ups in, in, in life in all kinds of situations. So here's the problem with that. If you have a cover-up, then you also have the possibility of being found out. And if the possibility of being found out is there, that also means that you could then prove that Jesus is actually an illegitimate son. And then if he's an illegitimate son, then actually what Lucas said is wrong. Therefore, the rest of his gospel then could also be wrong. Why would Luke say that? Why would Luke put the virgin birth in if it's going to cause such an issue? And the third thing is this. Luke was himself a doctor. Now, you would hope, granted, that doctors know where babies come from. And you would hope in this situation, Luke would also know the situation of what it's going to be. But Luke is trying to emphasize, and, and, and as Jim is reading to us through the passage, the message version also says that Gabriel turns up to Mary and says, surprise, you're going to be surprised. But what a surprise. What if God's surprise on your life caused everything to completely shift and everything to turn around? This story seems to be too un un unbelievable on occasions, but actually Luke puts it in. And he records it as part of history, just like he records everything else as part of history. Do you know, Mary herself, going through all the things that, listening through all the things that Gabriel was saying, what on earth was going through her mind? What on earth would go through your mind if an angel turned up? I'm not, I'm not sure if you've ever seen an angel. By the way, I'd done some stuff some years ago. Angels traditionally are not described in the Bible as having wings, by the way. All right, they generally turned up. And cherubim and seraphim, yes, they are described as having wings, but your regular angels are not. They were a huge part of Jewish history. In fact, in Jewish tradition, they know a lot more about angels than we ever would dare to say. But if an angel turns up and begins to say all these things to Mary, what on earth, how does she respond? I love what she, she responds so differently to Zechariah previously, because previously he said, how can this be? My wife is old and I'm an old man. Whereas Elizabeth, or sorry, uh, as Mary does question a little bit, but actually she questions from a different angle and says, well, I'm a virgin. How on earth is this supposed to happen? And then Luke also brings in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be over you and you will conceive a child and he will be called Jesus. So he will save the world. Not only does he tell her how it will be, but actually what Jesus will actually be. God chooses people. God has a plan last week. This week he chooses people. But when he chooses you and when he chooses me, it's because his plan is unfolding. And the things that happen, we may not like and we may not be able to cope with, but actually he has chosen us specifically. He chose Mary specifically. God's choosing of you and God's choosing of Mary meant it was going to mess up her life. 
She, had, she was set at that point. She had a boyfriend. She had a fiance. Everything was going to be fine. And then the angel Gabriel turns up with a message. Everything was going to go out the window. So when God chooses you and God chooses me, what I can see from this story with Mary is we are left with saying, do we agree with it or do we not? And I love what Mary says at the end. She says, let it be according to your word. In other words, I'm listening to what you say. I'm happy for this to happen. Do you think you could say that? If God turns up and says something to you, would you be, be, be saying, I know, um, just looking at different guys in church, I know we have different circumstances, different things we're praying for, different things we're asking for. But if God says something so different, would you simply say to him, let it be according to your word? Or would you have a stand-up fight with him? Yeah, sometimes we'd have a stand-up fight. We're going down an avenue, we're going down this way, we're going down that way. And God says, hold on a minute, I've got a plan. And my plan involves choosing this situation. So, do you like surprises? I'm going to pray for you all that you have a surprise. But before I do that, I'm going to give you one last story. God likes surprises. I read this story some years ago about some missionaries in northern India, right on the border of China. And China was quite difficult to get into as a country. But these missionaries, every maybe once a week, sometimes twice a week, they would get a wheelbarrow, they would fill it full of soil, and they would take it across the border into China. And every week, every time, there was Chinese soldiers at the other side, knew they were missionaries, and suspected them of smuggling Bibles. So they would go through all the soil, find everything, tip the soil out, Week, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, the missionaries were stopped each and every single time until the missionaries retired. And the missionaries went to the Chinese guards and they developed a relationship with them at this point. It was almost like a cat and mouse game. They were always trying to catch them out. And the Chinese guards said to the missionaries, all these years we thought you were smuggling Bibles and you didn't. What on earth have you been doing all this time? The surprise was this, they were smuggling wheelbarrows. God has a plan, God chooses people, and God chooses you and me. So Father, I pray for everyone right now. I pray that we are surprised by you, surprised by your Holy Spirit, surprised by what you have for our lives. The plans and things, we may be ruling ourselves out as if we we're saying there's nothing significant within us, but you see us and you choose us and you love us and you've got a plan for our lives. So I pray for everyone that they respond accordingly, just like Mary did. Let it be according to your word. Thank you, Sharon. Yeah, just listening to that sermon, one of the things that really comes into my mind is as the church as a whole throughout history, not just our church here in Crewcorn, but all churches, um, Catholic, Protestant alike, and our treatment of women, in particular and how when they've become pregnant before marriage has been quite shameful actually we look back and how we've mistreated those children of these children taken them off them or whatever it may be we've actually been quite quite shameful and yet at the very beginning of this story is a young unmarried girl and how the shame she had and we didn't seem to learn from it i hope today as churches throughout the world and throughout different things we actually treat our women and these children with compassion through no fault perhaps of even of their own or for whatever circumstances they are in and as Stephen said it's about grace it's about forgiveness it is about
God will use who he wants to use. It's not about I'm good, I'm righteous, God needs to use me. God will use who he wants to use. And I think when we look back, we've missed out on so much blessing and promises by judgment and everything else. So as we sing the next song, you are worthy of it all. Remember, it is God that is the centre, Jesus is the centre, and he is worthy of it all, not us. So over to you, Baba. Thank you. Oh 
Thank you. Thank you, Baba. You are indeed worthy of all things. And um, yeah, I'm just really thankful for today's service. And I pray that God has touched you in some way. And if there is something from today's service, a commitment or something that you need to do, something that you would just need to chat to, please contact us and we will be more than happy to help. Um, okay, I've just, yeah, just got a couple of prayer requests that we want to, uh, to pray for. Um, just as I, I do that, if you do have... Uh, something on your heart, something on your mind, you have something you like prayed for, I just ask you um, in the, yeah, just put your hands up like this before God, I'm going to bring you all before God, but we're going to pray at this point for Joshua, and we're also going to pray for Annabella. Um, there are plenty of other people I know that we, that we can pray for, but there are two names right now we just want to bring specifically before God, and of course God knows all things, he's worthy of everything, and uh, it is right and it is good that we bring all these people before you. So for everyone here, if you do have anyone you would like to pray for, or if you want to stand on someone's behalf, simply put your hands out, and I'm just going to pray for you now. Heavenly Father, we know and we've just been singing that you are worthy of it all. All the praise that we can bring, all the, um, the worship that we can bring before you. But Lord, we also know that we can come before you as a father. We come before you as one who loves us and cares for us and knows and sees all things. You are the center of everything. You are the center of everything. You have chosen us and you have called us by name. And Father, right now we bring two names before you. And uh, specifically we bring Joshua and we bring Annabella. Both of them who are in need of a move of your Holy Spirit, a move of healing over their lives right now. So we just bring them before you, and as we have said their names before you, Father, we ask that as a father, you look on them now and you just move according to your plan, according to your will, according to your healing power. Let your Holy Spirit just move on their bodies right now. Bring peace to the families surrounding them and bring peace in the hospitals, perhaps where they are right now. So Father, for everyone else who just got their hands out right now, you're just standing on behalf of someone else. Lord, it's incredible that you see each and every one of us. You see each and every circumstance. You see each and every moment that needs healing. You are immense. You are a good, good God. You are a good Father. And we bring each and every person before you. And we just lie them, we just put them in our hands, and we just bring them before you now and say, move according to your will and move according to your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' mighty name, I ask. Amen. Amen. Okay, folks, it has been good to see you. I say apologies for the, the technical hiccups. I'm not sure. I know we're on YouTube. I'm not sure if we're on Facebook, but we'll pop it up on um, Facebook later on the YouTube link. Thank you for everyone for coming out today and um, continue to pray. I think next week we're going to look at the most unusual prenatal group in history, all right, which is Mary and Elizabeth. What happened when those two got together? God is a God of surprises. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. All right. All right.
was talking to my son Brandon about this verse. And we decided we don't know a lot of people that rode around on chariots. So we said, wait, what does this verse look like today? And here's what we came up with. Some trust in money. And some in fame. Some trust in money. And some in fame, oh yeah. Some trust in money. Some in fame, some trust in money, and some in fame, oh yeah. All right, you guys, but what about?